Let's just offer thanks to the Lord right now. And let's just close our eyes and just put our heart in a posture of thanks. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace with us. We thank you for community around us. We thank you for um, just the gift of life that we encounter as we walk throughout the day. And Lord, we just uh, we love you, God. We pray that a spirit of wisdom and revelation would be present as we come here to know the hope of your calling and the inheritance you have for us and who you are, God. So we just we just ask you for your grace, Lord, in this time. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Thanks for those nice tunes, Zane and crew. Yeah, only Zane did it. Yeah. I appreciate the resolve. Oh. All right. I like it. Thank you for those of us, those joining on Zoom. Um, we love you too. And uh, how many of you having a good week? I'm having a good week. It's spring break. And so kids, ha- hallelujah. Kids are going to take some time off with us. Um, man, spring break was like my favorite time as a kid. And anyway, I, uh, I'm, I'm really grateful for the time we have in Lent because we get to focus on Jesus. And we've kind of made mention that the highlight of this time really revolves around two things. First of all, it's is Jesus, his story, um, and who he uh, who he represented himself to be in the world and the kingdom that he was releasing. And the second thing is um, a life of generosity. And so um, Andrea will she's not here presently, but she will um, come up then. We're trying to have prompts every week that are related to generosity, and so she'll she'll talk about that. But um, but anyway. We um, we're just we're grateful for this time, and grateful to be. I mean, you're putting this camera right on me. It's kind of. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm just kidding. Do what? I'm just gonna stand right here and look into it. I'll whisper into the camera, like Robert California. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, office jokes. Um, thanks, Charlotte. You know what? I've been working on Charlotte. I've come over a couple times to the, to the Sipes house, and the first time I picked her up, she screamed bloody murder. And and then finally, finally, I've gotten her to attempt to stay still for me. So anyway, sweet girl. Um a couple years ago, most most of you guys know that we we um, family or my parents sold the business that is still here, Bar, and after they sold the business, I got to stay on for a little while in a small capacity, and I got to keep a reasonable paycheck for a very minimal amount of work, and. In that, in that season, I was uh, working with a, a company that was based out of the Midwest and doing some consulting, helping them find businesses that wanted to sell. And so as we were kind of going along, like, how many of you have ever been in this season where your cash flow works? Like, it's like, oh, like... There's money, enough money coming in to pay the bills and to have a little bit left over. And I love the seasons where the cash flow works. And in the summer, we were, uh, I was praying one day, and within one day, I felt like the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to let go of our. I want you to, I want you to step away. And so within two hours of the Lord talking to me, I had given my resignation to 
the bank, very large bank that my check was so small that they probably would, to them, they would have, you know, I would have probably been on there forever. And so I felt like God said, hey, I want you to give this up. And, and so at that point, the cash flow does not work. And how many of you have ever been in this situation too, where you go from the cash flow working to the cash flow not working? And it was this really amazing um, miracle where within a very short period of time, God replaced the entirety of the money that was coming in through a business deal where we were going to where we were going to help this company sell their company. I mean, within like like we didn't miss a beat. We we resigned, and then a couple months month go by, and somebody says, "Hey, I know this business owner. He he needs to sell his business," and they and they bring it to me. And within like a few weeks, we're engaged. It's like just total miracle opportunity. And even God allowed me to to develop a really strong friendship with the person we were working for and to minister them and talk to them about Jesus and open up all sorts of dialogue. And so it was this really beautiful thing. Now, the way that my the way that the kind of business I do works is that you have these relationships, you have these engagements with people where they might pay you for six months. Um, they pay you a certain amount a month to run a process for them where they, they go out and, you know, where you go out and sell their business or you go out and raise them capital. And at the end of that six months, when you're successful, you get a really large commission success fee and the, the money that's coming in, it, it goes away. And so, um, you know, this was a really good opportunity and really knew that they were going to sell for a really, you know, for a really great uh, price. And so we're going along, cash flow makes sense, everything, everything works. And in the middle of COVID, the two engagements that I had, um, both fell apart. And so not, not only did I lose the monthly cash flow or income, but I, lo I lost the possibility of a success fee. And so Andrew and I talked about this. We have this really long joke about all the things we're going to do when we close a deal. And so I always look at Andrew, I'm like, when we close a deal. And, but it's interesting to me that in both of these cases, I knew that God made the connection. I knew that God made the door. But in both of these cases, what, what I felt like was going to happen was that God was going to take us from the season where a temporal provision was available to a season where, we, where it expanded into something where we had the ability to sow for the long term. How many of you have felt this, not only financially, but in all sorts of things? Charlotte, she's, giving, she's cheering me on. She's fine. Let her cheer. Um, and so we, we thought we were shifting from this season of temporal provision to a, to a kind of time of life where we would have some permanent, more seed-sowing roots financially. I want to read to you a scripture this morning that is embedded within the scripture that's on today's lectionary. And it's a really bizarre scripture. But I'll read to you and, and we'll come back to the story. It says in Numbers 21, 4 through 9, they traveled from Mount Hor along the route of the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water. We detest this miserable food. And the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. Then the people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, 
make a snake and put it up on a pole. And anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. And when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. This is a little bit of a weird story. And I read it for a couple days straight. I read it over and over and over again. Like, God, I don't really know what to make of this. But I do see that the Israelites here, they say, God, you have no food for us. You have no water. And then they say in the next sentence, well, this food really is bad. It's like, we have no, actually the food's just really bad. We, we don't like this manna. Amanda, manna is it's kind of like, for us, the provision we receive in life that we don't really want. It's the work, the gift, the answer that keeps us alive but doesn't really change our situation. How many of you have had something that got you to the end of the day or the end of the week? but didn't change your situation. I think we often um, grumble, we often complain over manna. It's like the food that comes in the in-between. Even when the provision comes, we're like, but God, this is, this isn't even, this is not even good food. Or maybe we exaggerate and say, there's no food at all. Now, the interesting thing about the wilderness for Israel, and I think the wilderness revealed in Jesus that starts us off into Lent, is that the focus of the wilderness is dependence on God. That's, that's really like, if you want to get down to the heart of what the wilderness is about, what the journey from Egypt to the Promised Land is about, is it's about dependence on God. And... I was, as I was preparing this message and thinking through dependence on God in the wilderness, one of the, thing, one of the thoughts that came to my mind is, have I really just gotten more comfortable in the wilderness and not really more dependent upon God? Have I learned the emotional tricks to calm my soul and not really gotten, not really increased my dependence on God. Now, I think this story is in here. I think a lot of us grew up reading the Bible like a set of facts. Like, okay, but, but, but I want you to understand, this story is in here likely to reveal something more, more deep than just on the surface. And there's probably a lot of things that are lost in translation. Um, but as I read this over and over and over, there's nothing about this that I can give much explanation for. Like God like sending snakes around to bite people and then putting a bronze snake up here and it healing people. Like it, it just, I look at it and my first inclination is just to disagree with it. Um, but I think sometimes our desire to master the explanation of the Scripture or to master the explanation of a circumstance or a mystery season in life, there's this inclination we have to have, to have a real clear answer. And I think that what we do, and this is actually proven in psychology, is that when we give ourselves an explanation, and it doesn't matter if it's correct, we, we ease ourselves. But, but the problem with mastering the explanation, whether it's of some verse of the Bible or some situation of your life, is that we may isolate ourselves on the dependence of the, this great God of mystery who stands above all our reasoning. 
think we see this in manna, but God's food, His words that He provides us, His sustenance that He gives us daily, are not that which we can master. Israel could not master the manna. They could not control it. In fact, if they tried to, pres- to keep it, it would, you know the story, it would, it would go bad the next day. They could only receive it. Their only participation in this gift of sustenance was receiving what God was giving. And what they were looking for in the promised land was what in the promised land it says that they would plant vines, they would plant, you know, they would build agriculture. Like they would plant things that they partner with God, but that they have some mastery over it. But in this moment, there's no mastery. There's only receiving. And God invites us to live in these moments with Him, day to day, to receive what He has for us right here. Now, yesterday... I was with the kids, and I was uh, um, with Eden and Judah, not Grace. And we were walking on the railroad tracks, and we were walking barefooted. And we were walking barefooted because we came from the trampoline. And you know you got to throw your shoes off on the trampoline. Now, I was not going to throw my shoes off on the trampoline because I knew I would forget my shoes outside. Um, but the kids demanded that I do so, so took my shoes off. And... This is unrelated point, but I woke up this morning. I'm like, "Where are my shoes? They were rained on outside." <laughs> so shocking. Walking down this railroad track, and we're picking up railroad nails and every rock. Every rock that the kids come by is some sort of crystal or geode that's going to make them a lot of money. And we got over to the sewer manhole that was open and they were looking down in there and they were like, can we go down in there? And I was like, yeah. They were like, what? And I was like, yeah, you can go down in there. And they were like, oh my gosh. They're like, no, I don't want to go down there. You go down in there. And I'm like, no, you go down in there. And so I was like, all right, I'll go down in there. So I jumped down in there so that they could see what it was like. And then Eden was like, okay, I'll go. So I lower Eden down in this manhole. And she's like looking around. It's just like a tiny little. And then Judah goes down in there and he's like, oh my gosh. Like they were just freaking out and we were exploring. And as I was watching them explore, I was just like in this moment of like pure joy. Like like this highest most simple joy. And one of the things I've told Andrea that I've observed in myself is that sometimes when I'm in the moments of like perfect joy, I simultaneously feel this grief. How many of you ever felt grief when you're in, when you're in perfect joy? And I say, God, like, there's these two things. Like, this, like, I just I tapped into this joy and I feel this, like, just like low grief. And I was just like, God, what is that? Like, I've encountered it before, but I finally was just like, God, what is that? Why am I grieving? He said, because your heart wants to live like this every moment. And you're grieving the moments that you're losing. But I want to make you fully awake to receive what I have. Each and every moment. I think when we try to master life with God rather than receive what He's bringing, we might make our hearts feel okay for a moment, but we isolate ourselves from the beauty and provision that He has. When we look at the Scripture, the great judgment that is here, symbolically, is is toward them 
despising God's temporal provision and their lack of patience on him. That's, that's what the issue is here. Is that they are not cool with the provision, the sustenance that God brings in the day, and they are not cool with waiting. And the snake is certainly symbolic of sin and deception. We see that throughout Scripture, or the serpent. But this is an interesting thing to me, is that like, as they look upon, as the this, this serpent is lifted up in the wilderness, and as they look upon what bit them, it's, as they behold it, it's also the thing that heals them. They were not healed by the perception of some great glory or majesty, but they were healed symbolically by the perception of their own brokenness, of the weight of their own judgment. Now, I want to read to you from John 3, 14-15, which is the text for today. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness... So the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. I think it's amazing to me that Jesus was not only beheld in His glory, but He was beheld in His brokenness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He made Him who knew no sin to become sin. You see, Jesus symbolically is like the serpent lifted up. It is not only that we see Jesus in His majesty and glory that makes Him a wonderful Savior, but it's that we see Him in the light of His brokenness. Every king from the dawning of the earth to this day would love for you to see them in their glory. They would love for you to see them in all their power and their splendor. But the kind of king that we have is one who's willing to be seen as a serpent. Is one who's willing to be seen as sin. As 2 Corinthians tells us. Our Savior takes upon Himself the image of sin with the heart of righteousness. The image of sin, with the heart of righteousness. And in doing so, becomes that which makes us whole, and heals us of the bite of the serpent, and every place of grumbling. Let me continue to read in John 3. In verse 16 it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believe in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed the name of God's one and only Son. I was in Austin recently and with my business partner and we're working at his house and his wife makes sourdough bread. Now I feel like everyone made sourdough bread in COVID, but at least once we tried. And um, she's been making it for a few years and she made this really, really good sourdough bread that she that she sent home with us as we were going home. And I was eating it, and I'm not even a bread person. Like, I know all of you are going to throw rocks at me for saying that. I'm not, like, it's, bread doesn't do anything for me. I like biscuits, you know, but 
I like occasional croissant, but it's not really a bread person. And so, and I'm not even really a pasta person either. Side note, but just saying it. I like them. They're fine. But um, it was just so good. Like this bread, I was sitting there in the car just like eating bread, you know, on the way back. Because this bread was so good. It was so, it was just, it was just so good. And here is the message of God to the whole world. That the true bread, the permanent bread that sustains has come. And He has not come into this world to condemn it, but to redeem it. He has not come to rebuke, but to love. John 6, it says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. You see, the bread that came down in the wilderness in the form of manna fell to the ground and day by day it would go bad. But the bread of life in Jesus is that which never runs out. And it always sustains. Continue reading in John 3. 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You see, the mission of God in Jesus is not a mission of condemnation. It's not a mission to see how you stack up. He doesn't give you... I remember going to these... You know, these, uh, these like those rooms that you go to where you have to solve all these puzzles to get out of the room. Escape room. You know, those things are like less fun than they're advertised. I'm just annoyed the whole time. <laughs> Entire time, I'm just like, I don't know why Johnny killed Sue. You know, just, just give me the code. But I think sometimes we have this lock combination God view that we're on trial and it's just like he's going to bury the lock combination in the depths of the earth and give you no directions to go find it. And if you happen to find it and you open the lock, then you will do exactly as God pleased and life will be great. But for 99% of other people, they'll never find it and it won't work out and they won't be pleasing to God. Like This is sometimes the view that we have about our life, about our ministry, about our, our whatever destiny word you want to put on it, about like our finances, about our family, that it's just a puzzle that you have to figure out and you're likely not going to figure it out. But God did not come to condemn the world, but to redeem it, to display His love in Jesus. He loves and redeems. He loves and redeems. He loves and redeems. And this is eternal life. It's not dying to go play a harp on a cloud. I'm so thankful that I know those who've gone before me are in this presence of glory in Jesus. But eternal life has come to you, not, I love what my, my uh, theological mentor who went on to be with the Lord, Dr. 
Fudge said one time, he said, I didn't come to salvation when I prayed a sinner's prayer. I came to salvation when Jesus died on Calvary and rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. Like eternal life is not given to you when you slip into this world into the next. Eternal life is not even the thing that you, you do the right prayer and it comes into you. It's the thing that Jesus did 2,000 years ago when he put his head on the when he put his foot on the serpent's head. The message is that all things are being made new. The message is that His presence, His kingdom is here right now manifesting within you and wants to make everything new if we will receive what He has. And the Israelites grumbled at the bread. And we often grumble because we want more than Jesus. We want some fulfillment that is more than Jesus. Some days, even with the bread of life before us, we go, is this bread even good? It's not even bread. Do you know what I'm saying? But eternal life is to enter into the deepest gratitude of this heavenly bread that has come and has been provided once and for all. A life waiting and walking and being led and leading by the Spirit. That is not a life you can master. It's a life you give yourself to. You don't get the luxury of explanation. You get the presence of Jesus. think of Ricky Ricardo telling Lucy, you've got some explaining to do. And we often are looking at God saying, you've got some explaining to do. He's got no explaining to do. He's provided the bread. And it's not Jesus and, it's Jesus. Only. It's just, will we allow our perception to be shaped around the gratitude of the bread of life provided? Or will we grumble at what we wish that we had? I want to say it again, that eternal life was not given to you when you prayed a prayer, but when the Son of God put His foot on the serpent's throat. Continuing to read 19-21, to it says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So a question for you. Why must we not only look upon the righteousness of God, but our own sin? That's the symbolism of the snake. Why did Jesus, who knew no sin, have to become sin on the cross? Why was Jesus lifted up like the serpent? Because contrary to what anyone tells you, you do have to see Jesus as the one who became sin. The one who is the righteousness of God but became our sin. And you do have to face your own sin. 
Why do we have to see these things? Because God wants us to become light. He wants us to become light. That's what the scripture says. That the light has come. And all things that it touches become light. It's a paradox. But as soon as our brokenness is exposed and acknowledged by us, as soon as it is lifted up before Jesus, then, we, then it no longer has power. It's evaporated by God. The serpent has no power in being concealed. When it is exposed, it's dealt with. Sin has no power in secret. Sin has no power when it is exposed. It only has power in darkness. And what God says to you, and what God says to us, is come into the light and you will become I have been lifted up not just as one who is righteous and full of righteousness, but I have been lifted up as your very sin. And as your sin and as the beauty that He's put before you is brought to the light of God, you become light. Like He has come on a mission to redeem the world and to bring to it an eternal salvation. And as we receive this light, everything on us becomes light. It's just like what Mufasa told Simba. Everything the light touches is your kingdom. He says, I am the light and the life of men. In John 1, 4-5 it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. We have one choice in life. We have one choice. We can live as those who perceive the gift of God that is ever before us in gratitude or live as those who grumble about what we think He has not provided for us. There will always be unanswered issues. There will always be situations without explanation. Always. We can live in gratitude or we can live in grumbling. Because the bread that He has provided is not a bread of explanation. It's a bread of experience of Him. So I think in these two things, death and life is before us. I feel like for me I'm preaching to myself. can let go of that which we think He hasn't done yet and take the bread that lays on the ground before us in Jesus or we can hold on to our grumbling. See, God uses seasons like Lent to clear the distractions and let us see the light. We fasted media um, and I realized in the process like how much noise is distraction is in my life. I always think that I have that part figured out, but I, I realize how much I crave distraction. How much I crave something to silence the inner grieving in me that knows that there's a deeper way to live. And I think that like God uses this time to remove all these visual distractions so that what is what that all things can come into the light. All things can be made light. And so I want to invite you today into, into a moment of gratitude. Um, if you can go. Saying and Andrea, would y'all give the elements? And would if you can go grab the elements and come back. If you're on Zoom, you can you can grab whatever you have at home.
Okay. Yes. Come grab. No explanation today. I'm going to pray over this. We're going to take a moment of silence. And we're going to receive what Jesus has for us. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the bread of life that came down from heaven. We thank you for that which nourishes us, which sustains us, which grounds us, which frees us, which delivers us, which even confines us. We thank you for this bread that is given to our lives. And we just take a moment to say thank you that your mercy is new every day. I want to just invite you to take a moment of silence and just, just wait in gratitude before we receive. we thank you for your body broken. We thank you for your blood poured out. In simple gratitude, we receive this today. Amen. I'm going to have Andrea come and talk about this last week's prompt and this coming week's prompt. And <laughs> she looked at me annoyed. Um, no, she didn't. But, and then we will. That was a terrible cover on my part. <laughs> and. But I just want to say, say this before we do that. I really love you all. I'm very grateful for this community. It's been a great bread of life for us as well. So thank you guys. And Andrew, you can come. Thanks, babe. <laughs> uh, we do have a couple of announcements, but before I do that, I will share our prompt for this week. Um, last week I did a terrible job sharing our prompt because I didn't know I was sharing the prompt and then I came up and I mumbled all over the place and it was great but this week I came prepared so hey <laughs> won't make that mistake again but this week we are going we're encouraging everybody to make care packages in Ziploc bags or whatever um, for people that you might see in need while you're driving around on the street so 
homeless people, just people walking around, whatever the Lord, um, whoever the Lord might lay on your heart for that, we would like for you guys to prepare these little packages that you can keep in your car so that if you ever come in or encounter someone and you feel like the Lord is impressing on your heart to speak with them or minister to them, then you have a way to come up and kind of um, engage with them that's not necessarily just giving them cash or giving them money or running away, <laughs> but having something that you can actually engage with them. So ideas for this would be like a water bottle, granola bars, toothbrush, toothpaste, just things that you might think of. There's lots of ideas for this on Pinterest and on the, on the Googles. So check it out. And that is what we are encouraging you guys to do this week. Um, and as far as announcements are concerned, we have a couple of extras um, but first, House Church is still going this week. So Wednesday for the Rowlett group at 6.30. Ooh, hey, look at that. I think that's happening this week at this, the other Sipses. That we have three Sipses here. So this is the Toby and Sarah version Sipses. So that is where House Church will be this week. And this week, even though Jordan and I are going to be out of town, House Church is still happening at our house on Thursday night at 6.30. And um, Zoom will be available for that one as well. So hop on if you're not going to be able to make it in person. No excuses. Get to House Church. Yes. No. <laughs> no, we won't. But it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, who likes Easter? I love Easter for so many reasons. Obviously, Jesus, number one. Number two, dresses. Really cute dresses. Number three, Easter egg hunts. And we are going to throw a really awesome Easter egg hunt for Imagine Kids after church on Easter Sunday. Woo! But we really want your help with donations for Easter eggs and things to stuff them. Our goal is to have a thousand eggs for the kids. Um, so as many as you want to donate would be fantastic. Um, as little candy as possible that you would like to donate is also fantastic because I'm sure that everybody will go home and do their own and have tons of candy. So maybe fruit snacks or stickers or whatever. There's lots of options. Um, so there's that. And then, who's a volunteer? I think everybody in this room <laughs> is a volunteer. Okay, so we have a volunteer appreciation breakfast scheduled on the morning of Palm Sunday, which is March 28th. So mark your calendars for March 28th at 9 a.m., we're going to have biscuits and gravy and fruit here for everybody. Praise him. So that's going to be to say thank you to you guys for all of your hard work. And we'll probably have a little speech, little hugs given out and all that. So we would love for you to come. Oh, yeah. No, no hugs. Anyway. All right. Well, that is all for me. Love you guys. Bless you. I think we have um, somebody. Ryan. You. To close us. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right. Let's go ahead and... Oh, whoops. I forgot to have a mic. Let's go ahead and pray the... Well, I'll read this. And then... Is the white... By myself? Okay, beautiful. There we go. I can't remember which of the colors are. All right. Prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it's in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. You're dismissed.
Does anyone want to do rounds of hallelujah, 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 praise ye the Lord? This is something that I miss greatly. Ready? Hallelujah. Thank you, everyone. Have a blessed day. Blessed be the fruit. Hallelujah.